You are listening to WCB Newsline. Unleashed. I'm Bailey McDermott, and this is Rob McChrystal. We are volunteer puppy raisers for Guide Dogs for the Blind. We've been raising puppies since 2018. 2018, Taryn, that Lee now has, is was our second puppy. Our first puppy was a career change, but she did go into another line of work. She's an ambassador dog for Guide Dogs for the Blind, and she works for Lighthouse. What's it? For the Blind. Lighthouse for the Blind out of San Francisco as their ambassador. So what does an ambassador dog mean? Well, I mean, what do they do? So she goes to, well, so one of her two caretakers works for Lighthouse for the Blind as a mobility instructor for the blind. Oh, okay. Um, and so she has the option to go into work every single day into the facility. The clients of Lighthouse, how guide dogs function and how they behave in the working world. Part of Lighthouse's his mission is the invention and development of technology for blind folks. So uh-huh. if they need to have a product that interacts with a dog, it's nice for them to have a an animal that's trained in the facility. To try it out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. She, she knew her guide dog stuff, but Violin did not care to work. <laughs> oh. <laughs> her name was Violin? Her name was Violin, yep. Oh, my goodness. How creative. (laughs) Okay, so here come the questions. So I'm Marilee Richards. I guess I should introduce myself also. Taryn is my first guide dog, and I just love her to pieces. And these guys did a great job getting that started. And so that's how this podcast idea was born. I wanted to share that. And I have my friend Lisa Comstock, who's a photographer, and so she, she's taken me places and f- photographed all the things that Taryn has done with me. Not all the things, but a lot of the things. And then she shares it with Bailey and uh, Rob and the Facebook world. And she's been on the news three times for their weather segment. So I think she's pretty famous. <laughs> <laughs> And Viola is the person that is at our controls doing the recording, and I'd like to thank her for doing that for us. Bailey and Rob, I know Taryn was your second guy dog that you raised. Was that experience satisfying to you, and was the process what you expected? It was satisfying. Um, We kind of knew what to expect since we had already raised the dog. The difference was, is Taryn was born when COVID first started and everybody went into lockdown. So most puppies, you know, you're trying to show them the world, you know, the outside world, get them acclimated to things that they're going to see in everyday life. And Mm -hmm. Taryn didn't get that for a long time because we couldn't go anywhere. So she got really good at her house behavior and doing what she's supposed to be doing when she's in the home. Um, And then we had to show her the outside world later when she was older and things were opened and we could go back out and life could resume basically. What kind of rules did you have in raising the puppy dogs, the guide dogs, puppies? Yeah, there's all kinds of rules. They, they have an extensive online manual, Guide Dogs for the Blind does, and it helps us. It gives us tips and tricks and how to train a dog to do certain things. Puppy raisers are mostly responsible 
for, you know, their basic obedience, um, their house manners, how to walk on a leash, how to relieve so that they're potty trained when they go to their, their partner. And like I mentioned, also exposing them to the outside world. So they're not shocked when they come across something in the outside world. One of the rules that usually catches people off guard is that uh, tennis balls are prohibited Mm -hmm. for any reason. And so Taryn, for most of her puppyhood, never saw a tennis ball or saw another dog playing with one. And that's so that in the future, when they're working in the field, such as with Marilee, if she sees a ball bouncing on the ground through the park or whatnot, she doesn't get distracted by it. There's lots of rules that go with these dogs, but the vast majority of them are made with future behavior in mind. That's interesting. I know they told me not to have tennis balls, but we have a little puppy here that uses the tennis balls. And so she doesn't go after a bouncing ball at all. Yeah. The ball thing is because labs can become really obsessed with balls. I'm like, we have a pet lab and, I mean, if she saw a ball bouncing down the street, it would be game over. She would be gone and after it. She's chewing on one right now, actually, yeah. behind us. <laughs> so you've mentioned a little bit about the COVID, the difference in the COVID restriction. Was it hard to get all her her training completed because of it? Because it must have been most of the time you had her, right? Yeah. I mean, we were, I don't know if I want to use the word fortunate, but we were fortunate to live in an area where we were only locked down for a few months and we had nice weather. So, you know, we could get out and still be away from people mm-hmm. and keep a distance. Guide dogs did a really good job of making sure we followed COVID guidelines. You know, meetings couldn't, even when our state opened up, meetings couldn't be in person. So we did a lot of meetings over Zoom with our puppy club. But I feel like she still got, I mean, towards the end of her time in 2021, well, she was still in our home. I felt like she did get out and got what she needed to get. It would have just it was just later than what we would normally expose her to some of those outdoor things. What was the most exciting part of doing guide dog puppy raising? Probably having a, a, a new lab puppy. Uh-huh. Um, we absolutely love labs of all ages, but puppies are oh so soft and snuggly. But that first week that we had Taryn, those memories are forever etched in my mind. She was just so sweet and sleepy and soft and <laughs> wanted, wanted to be licking my face 100% of the time, which was great. That's her now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Not much has changed. No. <laughs> I think my whole time with Taryn is super special. She and I had a super special bond. We went everywhere together. Because my work allowed her to come to work with me. She spent every day at the office with me. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there was very few days during her year year with us that we didn't spend a day together. So you had her for a whole year then? Yeah. 14 months. 14, mo- 14 yeah. or 15 months, yeah. That must have been really hard to give her up and bring her back to boring Oregon. It is. It, it is, is hard, but we've gotten to see... You know, we've gotten to see the other side. Now she's working and she makes a difference in your life. And that's Mm -hmm. so much more rewarding than any pain we felt having to give her back. Yeah. It's, it's a huge difference for me having a guide dog. I, I've never had a dog. So this whole experience has just been awesome. I really appreciate everything you did to make that transition for me that is that much more easy to process. 
You're so welcome. Oh, we love yeah. seeing pictures of the two of you. You guys were a match made in heaven. I think we were. I think I, I really believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any advice to people that want to take on puppy raising? Do it with an open mind. I know it seems so hard. And we were those people in the very beginning that said, no, we can't do that. How do you raise a puppy and give it back? And it is. It's, it is hard. I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. But it is so rewarding. I mean, you're making a difference in their blind partner's lives. But they touch so many more lives along the way, you know, as they're being raised as a puppy. Um, you and Lisa can attest. I mean, I'm sure she's made mm -hmm. a difference in Lisa's life now, mm -hmm. you know. Every that, every life in this build, everybody that I know in this building, not mm -hmm. I mean you know so quite a few dozen probably. Yeah, um, they don't talk to me anymore. They talk well. They say hi, Taryn. It's not hello, Marilee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty common actually. That's common even yeah. as a puppy raiser. They get to know the puppy and they forget oh. who you are. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is there anything you would like to share as far as your personal experience in the puppy raising business? My, well, especially with Taryn and actually with, with Violin as well, it's probably, I didn't get to walk the dogs as much as I would have liked. I'm seven feet tall and I have a, a much quicker and faster stride than, than most people. And, and Taryn, as we know, has a nice soft pace that matches you perfectly but it's terrible <laughs> for me so most of my like loose leash walking or walking on a leash with her was uh at inside the house or in the backyard or at our puppy club meetings in in actual training drills and exercises i remember the the few times i tried to take her on on walks we'd get like maybe halfway down the block and she'd just stop and quit and lay down um but <laughs> Walk too Surely fast. because I'm walking much too fast. Yeah. Yeah. Could I interject for a second? Could sure. you could you tell talk about how, what it's like to wear the puppy jacket and what it's like going out in public and how you're greeted by people and you know what kind of experiences you had doing that? Everybody, you get a lot of attention and they warn you before you ever get a dog. Your local club comes and does like a home visit to make sure that your home is safe. And if you have any other animals to make sure, you know, that they get along with other animals. And they give you a warning that when you go out, you know, outing to the grocery store that might take 10 or 15 minutes is now going to take, you know, 25 to 30 minutes. Not only because you're working with a dog, but everybody sees a dog and they want to stop and they want to talk to you and share their stories about dogs. You can always make the choice not to take a dog on an outing if you're feeling overwhelmed or you're just not prepared for that. But it is nice to see them out in the community and people asking questions because um, it's a way to spread the word of what we're doing and this great organization that provides a much needed service to those who are visually impaired or blind. And some of the state laws are different too. So access is different. Um, where Taryn was raised in Boise, Idaho, guide dogs in training are afforded the same privileges as a service dog that's working. So we never really had any issues, I don't think, taking her anywhere or were denied access anywhere, which was really helpful. When we were at 
lunch that day wasn't the didn't the restaurant guy say that they opened their restaurant for a puppy raisers to bring their dogs in to get acclimated to a restaurant I think so most are really good about letting dogs come in in our experience anyways with training and letting them just settle at the table I think that's actually you know a, a solid idea anyways because when the general public is there they can see that a, a dog that is is invest and actively working and they can see the how they should behave so they can better recognize what is or is not an actual service dog or service dog in training in the future and just be aware of, of some of the challenges that 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 can bring to a business i guess i never thought of that but you know it's always fun to take her any place because she's an instant attention thing mm-hmm. yes yeah so we learned pretty early on that if if we needed something to get done and done in a hurry that Taryn needed to stay home because there's, it's really unpredictable. I mean, well, it's predictable in that, you know, we're going to, we're not going to be able to get in and out of the store or where we're going as quick as we need to, but still we, we chose to take her most of the time. And Lisa, are you available? Yes. So how has it been for you to take pictures and share them with Bailey and Rob to connect them uh, to my life here? It has been such a huge honor and just really a tremendous joy. I love it so much. I was thinking on the way over here tonight that the last couple of weeks I haven't gotten to do that much. We haven't right. gotten to do our outings so much because I've been so busy. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, in another week or two when things start settling down, making sure we get more adventures and more photos. Because I love not only letting Rob and Bailey see you and Taryn together, um, but also, again, spreading, you know, the mission of what they do, the work that they do, the service they provide with the Facebook community. But also, I keep hoping that Como will mention that she's a, uh, guide dog. I guess the last time they used her picture, they did say she was a service dog. Just whatever I can do too to help increase awareness, you know, of the program and people recognizing, you know, this particular type of a service dog. And uh, it's just, it brings me so much joy. And watching you play with her and her play with you and the interaction and everything and watching her with others when she is just on leash. And if she's allowed to be more playful, it's just a delight. The whole thing is a delight. (laughs) Thank you. How about any stories you guys might have, Bailey and Rob, that might be interesting to the community at large that might listen to this? So one thing, and I mean, if you're familiar with labs, most of them are pretty water oriented and our pet lab is, is no different. Um, she sees water and immediately tries to tear your shoulders out of their socket, getting to the water. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and our, they do their best to, at, at guide dogs, kind of breed out that willingness to, or that drive to get to the water and, and be active in the water because blind people aren't usually the most popular at swimming or, you know, most active at doing so. And so our first dog violin was, was very much in that vein. And 
when it was raining, just would refuse to go out, wouldn't step in puddles for any reason. That was kind of a, a nightmare at times, uh, especially in the Boise winter. Uh, not a big fan of snow either, but she did it. And then we got Taryn, and we were actually able to get her to go swimming, which was kind of rare. She did enjoy it, but nowhere near as much as our, our pet lab. But yeah, it was, it was always fun to see her swimming, knowing that most guide dogs never have the opportunity or desire to do so. I think it's important, too, to note that when the vest comes off and they're not working, that they do get to be dogs and they get to be puppies. And so it was always fun. You know, Taryn would work all day and then we'd take a nice relaxing walk to the river that was close by so that she could play and kind of relax and decompress from her day. Just, you know, just like we would as humans, when you come home from work, you kind of want to depress and, you know, just kind of live a little bit. So I think it's important that the public knows that they do get to be dogs. They're not just working 24 seven, 365. I'm really glad you said that because that is true. I had four dogs and they all got to got to play at the end of the day, or um, I had three golden retrievers and one lab. And the other thing about labs that you guys haven't mentioned is how stubborn they can be. <laughs> yeah, Very true. They can be very stubborn. <laughs> I think we've gotten really lucky, though. Both, both guide puppies we had, Violin and Taryn, I felt were fairly easy to train. They had some stubborn tendencies, but not... Both of the girls were on the lazier side for, for laps, which is <laughs> so outside the, the normal. Um, our, our pet lab is seven years old and bounces around like a kangaroo still. In the back of our minds, when we go to think about raising again, it's like, are we going to get a, a nice calm lab or are we going to get some puppy that is just <laughs> full of energy and, and bouncing off the walls? Are we going to be able to do this? Well, you did a great job. Every time I take her out, I have to thank you, you know, of course, um, relieving her and feeding her and just, I mean, it's just amazing. And I don't know dogs. I don't know a lab from a German Shepherd. So um, <laughs> I'm no expert by any means with, with any dogs, but she is such a joy, such a joy. Did you have to work at all on either one of your girls? their vocalness or were they pretty calm I had to get my guide dog not to bark and that you know um, I was pretty firm at the beginning and so they didn't because I absolutely didn't allow it because it can get a, to be a problem if you say oh I'm just going to allow it once and then you kind of have to nip it in the bud a little bit gently of course but I mean you have to you can't if you don't want a certain behavior, if you live in an apartment, you don't want them barking when somebody knocks on the door because it can be distracting to neighbors and then you could get into trouble. Did you have any of that issue? And are you guys out in the country or, you know, what kind of living situation did they have? Are you in Boise or out in the country? Yeah, so neither of ours barked. And they work really hard to train to make sure that they don't alert bark. Guide dogs can actually be career change for alert barking. And so that's part of the training we do in home is making sure that when somebody knocks on the door, that we reward them for not reacting or not getting up so that they don't jump on somebody as they come through the door 
or they don't bark to tell you that there's somebody there. I think I could count on one hand for each of the girls how many times I ever heard them bark. And if they did, it was because they were playing. That's right. With Taylor, five times, and she's been playing every time. (laughs) Yeah. And then as far as like where she grew up, we lived in the city of Boise, which is, I mean, it's not a large city by any means, but it's definitely not a small city. And I know that Guide Dogs does a really good job of trying to match the dogs with a similar environment to make sure that the match with their visually impaired person um, is going to be successful. So like Taryn was raised in a really quiet home. We don't have children. Um, There weren't kids around. And I don't know the size of Everett where Merrily is, but I'm guessing that the city size is fairly similar to where Taryn was raised and the environment was very similar. So she's continuing to live in a home that is quiet. Mm-hmm. And so it's the best match for, for Taryn and Merrily. And that's obviously not the only thing that they match, but that does play a big role in how they match the, the visually impaired person and the dog. Are you involved with any of the matching part of it? You just do the training? Just the training. We know a little bit just from, you know, what we have heard and, you know, there's a couple videos out. There's that series. Pick of the Litter. Pick of the Litter. Yeah, Yeah, I've got to see that. Yeah, I I haven't watched that yet. Yeah. Yeah. And you get puppy reports and when they're in training, do they still do that? Send you puppy Um, reports? You get a weekly report, but it only tells you where they are as far as training in their phases. So if they're in for breeder evaluation, so they look at some of the dogs, um, guide dogs does all their own breeding. So they look at several of the dogs in each litter to become a possible breeder. And Taryn actually did go through that. Taryn actually was selected as a breeder. Um, She wasn't supposed to be a guide dog, but she carries a gene known as dark darts, which can cause blindness in dogs. She's not affected by it, but she could pass it on to puppies. And they didn't know until they did some genetic testing. And she had a sister that came in that didn't carry the gene. So they went ahead and took Karen out of breeding and moved her to the guide dog track instead, since she's not affected by the gene. So that's what your report depends on, whether they're in, it's marked into phases based on if they're in going through the breeding track or if they're being trained as a guide dog. And through COVID, guide dogs started giving quarterly updates to raisers. So you would get a couple pictures and just like a quick blurb of what was happening in training. And we were fortunate to be part of that uh, when they first started doing that. So we got three or four updates from guide dogs as Taryn was going through training with some pictures of her on campus. Oh, that's great. Because my guide dogs were over the course of my life. I had four, and I'm trying real hard not to interject into this, but it's so hard because guide dogs has been in my life since I was 21, and I'm not that anymore. So you were right about when I was 21, I walked a lot faster and was a lot quicker than I am at over 60. So, you know, uh, Parnell was 22 inches high and was a longer, bigger dog than my 50, 60 pound golden retriever when I was 20, when they really work hard to to make sure they match your gait and your your living experience and your living situation. Do you have a family? Are you married? Is there other other pets in the home? How old you are? How active you are? Do you go out a lot or do you work? That kind of thing. 
And my dogs all went with me to work, of course, and to school and that kind of thing. But you guys, we wouldn't be able to do this and they wouldn't be able to do this without all of you, mm-hmm. you know, to uh, to have to have you raise the puppies and love them and bring them into your home and give them all the things they're going to need when they get to be an adult. But I just can't say enough about the work that you do. My first guide dog puppy raiser was a college student and he was her last puppy. My second guide dog was a 10-year-old boy. And let me tell you, that was difficult. It was very hard on him to let Yeller go to, uh, to me. And he cried. Oh boy, was that hard. That was, you know, the rest of the people, the rest of my dogs have had adult raisers, you know, but boy, I I tell you, I don't know if I could have done it if there had been any too many more kids because it's, it's really hard on them. Yeah. It's, I mean, well, I mean, we're not kids, but um, they were pretty detached too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, Very much so. Mm -hmm. Tell you that I cried all of graduation day. (laughs) I did too. Um, yeah. yeah, you're not you're not the only one guilty yeah. of that. We, is... we learned from Puppy One that we brought brought Violin back to to the campus here in in Boring, Oregon, and insisted on on going through the full process, like taking her into the the kennels and whatnot, making sure she's situated. And I think that is something we'll never do again. Like I'm aware of of how they do it now, but if I could go back again, I would just hand her off out front to the staff speaking of graduation how how is it for you how was it for you to watch the ceremony and and how she's handed over to Marilee and you know and then you get to take pictures with them and and get to meet her how is that from your side of things I don't think I have words for how rewarding it was like I said we cried the entire day but I they were happy tears we got to see not only our work come to fruition and see her become a guide dog, but it was so apparent in Marilee's demeanor as well how much her life had been changed just in the two weeks she had known Taryn. You're right. And and to add on to that, we before we were even officially raising Violin, our first dog, we had attended a graduation at the Boring Oregon campus because we were in Portland for some event. And there we were, no attachment to anybody or any idea of what was going on, absolutely bawling our eyes out. But the happiest tears imaginable because you see such joy on stage when the new new handling teams are getting to talk about how they, their lives are changing. And for us, that was that was really something that was like, you know what, that seals the deal for us. It's going to be painful, but if I can do something to change somebody's life that drastically in the best way possible... I'm definitely going to do it. We've always had dogs too. And I think, I mean, we don't have a service dog, obviously, but just the joy that a dog brings to your life. I mean, why wouldn't you want somebody else to have that same joy? They're such a great companion at the end of the day as well, whether they can provide a service or not. Yeah, I think I get a little taste of why my dad was so attached to dogs. He grew up with them, and my mother had allergies, so we didn't have any pets growing up. I had an outside dog for my kids, but they took care of it. And this is just totally different, and the attachment is just so strong. And it's so uplifting and 
your heart takes flight almost because you have this little thing that's leading you and taking you to where you need to go. And all the tea in China, I can't figure out how they can remember from month to month the right road to go down or the right door to go to. But he, she does without me telling her. She knows exactly once she gets there where she's taking me to. And it's pretty awesome. So I can understand how being totally blind, it works once you have a sighted person help you find your way on your routes. And your first dog is always, I don't know what it is about your first dog. My first dog was my favorite. And I remember him. I have a picture of him poster size on my wall. Uh huh. I do have all my other dogs. They have, I have pictures and I have their urns and stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. I just couldn't, I couldn't bear to leave them where they were because I've been living in different parts of the, you know, I lived in Canada and there was no way I was going to leave my Cochise anywhere. I wasn't going to be. So, you know, something about your first dog, um, they're the people that get them always have a favorite. You try not mm-hmm. to, but mm-hmm. just like when you raise them, sometimes you have a favorite and it's, it's, you know, and it's really hard when they, cause they just don't live as long as we do. So right, that's um, very true. Okay. That's very hard, but you don't have to worry about that yet. She's no, young. she's very <laughs> young. Yes. Yes. Very young and very spunky. And my goodness, she's well, they, you know, her name is Taryn, and they're joking that she's Taryn all over the place in the building. <laughs> Taryn does great. have a lot of spunk. She's always yes. been really spunky. <laughs> yeah. And she's, she's absolutely right. They say hello to her now. All, all the time I had dogs, it was always, hi, Cochise, hi, Parnell, hi, Alberta. Never, in, never did they ever talk to you. You know, it's always because they, they just are so drawn to the dogs. Mm -hmm. You know, and we are ambassadors too, in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to, you know, sometimes when you're not feeling well and you need to get somewhere quick, you know, somebody wants to stop and talk and you've got to make an appointment. It's really hard to say, well, you know, I really have to go, you know, but yes, it's totally different. Um, It's different in church. It's different here. It's different with my family. I mean, and my life here has totally changed because I've been living by myself for decades, two two decades now. And I have this cute little being that I can hug and cuddle with and pet and take a walk and take care of. And reminds me when I had my, when my children were small and they were totally dependent on me. So when they were talking about how a grocery store trip can, you you have to pack like you do for a little kid, bring all their stuff (laughs) and their bags and their, their treats and their, whatever you have to pack, you almost have to take a a backpack with you for all their stuff. Yeah. Grocery shopping. I do not take her. I leave her uh, on a tie down. (laughs) Because we we didn't take her grocery shopping very often either. She she (laughs) went the first time. Yeah, that that was like uh for me it was uh like late night if for yeah. whatever reason I I needed something for the morning it's like oh it's, you know ten or eleven o'clock I'll I'll go to Winco because there'll be nobody there that's really the only guarantee we had of taking her somewhere and not being stopped. Right, I go to Winco too, but it's such a big store. Pushing a cart and keeping a hold of a guide dog is not an easy task. So we're going to do that tomorrow. So she stays home in her little bed. 
I go grocery shopping. <laughs> so. Do you still use a kennel? Do they have you guys use a kennel when they get older? So we had the kennel train when she was a puppy. But as they get older, you can leave them out of the kennel if they have good house behavior. You gave her good house behavior. I've never. She's never gotten into a wastebasket, into garbage. She's never chewed on toys. She's whatever you did, you did well. Well, you're uh, lucky. I kenneled all my dogs because I didn't want them into stuff. Well, yeah, I was she gone. doesn't get into stuff. I yeah, mean, Merrily, you're pretty upfront about her not sleeping on the bed with you. Has that changed at all? No, she sleeps in her little, my daughter gave her a great big bed Okay, she's already now. I'm going to probably have to go to the next size because she's gotten pretty big. But anyway, she sleeps in her little bed by my bed. Well, you know, you guys, I didn't do that either. While they were working, they slept in their kennel or on the floor next to my bed on tie down. But mm-hmm. when they retired and I did keep them all except for Yeller, who went to a lab rescue place here in Seattle because I was getting another dog, but I kept all my golden retrievers and they did get to get up on the bed once they retired. Mm. Then we had to race for the bed and see who got there first. (laughs) (laughs) My bed is up so high. I don't know if she could get up that. Well, I guess she could. Now they think about it. She gets pretty crazy with Lisa. Lisa is her best buddy. How does the school feel now about dog parks? I was always afraid because I didn't know how well other people had their dogs with their shots. They don't dog recommend parks dog parks. Yeah. yeah. We have a dog park three blocks from us now that we're, we're living in, in Portland. I still am hesitant about taking our pet lab there because mm-hmm. for the very same reason is I don't trust. Fifty percent of the people out there that have dogs, even if you know the you know the owner will claim, "Hey, the dog just wants to play." It's like, well, that's great, but mine really doesn't care about that. She wants to play with the ball, and and that's it. Um, she doesn't want another dog sniffing everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. trying to trying to play with her. So, yeah, for a guide dog, uh, it's not something we can take a dog to. Yeah, we went to Edmonds Waterfront. I got out of the car with Taryn and this man said to me, I need to meet you. And of course, I don't, he's outside my vision range. And I'm thinking, why does this man want to meet me? (laughs) (laughs) And I walked a little closer. He had a little puppy. It was a guide dog. He was a puppy raiser. His dog that he had, her name was Bryn. And she was a black lab and she was just as cute as could be. See, that's Uh the thing I was talking about. You never know. Who's going to come up to you and you can't say, you know, you can't be, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, because I, I can see your point. I would have done the same thing. Oh, why is this person talking to me? I don't know who you are. You know, we've but- uh, we've actually had that same experience, too, because we saw another actually a leader of a, a puppy raising club here in Portland walking one of her puppies. And so I I broke the ice and I was like, oh, hey, what's your what's your dog's name? What club are you in? What not? And and forgot to introduce myself, so I looked like a crazy person who was who was stalking her. And in reality, I, I wanted to love on the dog so much, but I, I resisted the urge. So, how many people are in your Boise, Idaho club that you came from? Um, how many puppy we were, raisers? When we were there, twelve to fourteen people. I don't think mm-hmm. we ever had more than seven or eight dogs at a time. Yeah, that's right. Um, and a lot of times we had fewer dogs than that. The club's fairly small in Boise. 
we've mentioned a couple times that we have since moved to Portland, unrelated to guide dogs, but there's multiple clubs in the city here. And we're not sure, we're still trying to decide if we want to do that or if we want to be campus volunteers instead. Um, so we're not quite sure how large the clubs are here, other than that there are multiple of them. Oh, then you might get to play with the little puppies. That would be just so cool. (laughs) Yes, that would be awesome. Well, you know, working on that campus would be an amazing experience, too. Just from the two weeks that I was there, the staff was incredible. The volunteer and paid staff. That would be a hard decision. Yeah, we haven't decided yet. (laughs) Yeah, and and. So I'm a little bit apprehensive personally about uh, raising a puppy again. Anytime we see a puppy, especially a lab puppy or, or golden lab mix or what, what happens in the streets, you know, our hearts melt a little bit and we go, gosh, it would be so much fun to raise another puppy. You know, yeah. I'd love that experience again. However, we live in an area that's probably a little too dog friendly with the businesses. So we've, we've got a safe way that's a block or two away. And they do not discourage people from bringing dogs in. It is an absolute madhouse. Oh, and they're, oh they clog goodness. the aisles. Yeah, there's no, you know, but dogs misbehaving. Everybody just keeps walking. I'm really apprehensive about doing that in while we're living in an area that that sort of thing is commonplace. Yeah, because it, it just doesn't it doesn't set a guide dog puppy up for success, and that's what you want to do. Exactly. You no, it doesn't. All doesn't. that you can to set them up for success when they're little. Well, I know today when I went to the dentist, um, I was on the bus and I was in the bus station, and I must have run into four dogs, and that's really a hard thing to handle. She's good; she doesn't run after them, but just trying to keep her from getting too close is just trying um, to keep them off her yeah exactly yeah Yeah, and that must have happened like four times there was this great big huge it looked like a alaskan husky it's just a huge dog Um, and i thought ooh, i think i'll go over here (laughs) going over that way where that fake dog is unfortunately my parnell got attacked by a a dog when we were walking somewhere once and Luckily, it didn't bother him as much as I thought it would. I think it bothered me more Uh Um, because you don't know what to do. There's all this growling going on and, you know, and I am a totally blind person. So, you know, you don't know whether you're supposed to get them apart and you might get bit and, you know, and all that. And it's it's really scary. Uh, yeah, it would be frightful to me because um, I'm pretty limited in what I can see, although up close is not as bad. But I still wouldn't be able to separate the dogs comfortably, I don't think, because I would worry about getting bitten or attacked myself. Have any of your dogs been, other dogs got that close to them to where she was afraid or you were afraid for them? I don't think so we've never experienced that. I know we've had a club dog before that actually did get bit by another dog while they were out training. And they tell us, as bad as it kind of sounds, is not to try to separate the dog so that you don't get hurt. Right. Um, they tell you to just try to make a lot of noise, shout for help, um, yell at the dogs to, you know, try to distract them and get them away from each other by and, making noise. And when they're smaller, much smaller, if you're concerned about a dog that's that's nearby you just pick them up pick them up Um, yeah 
Yeah. And with, with Violin and Taryn, that was incredibly easy since they were, when they left us, they were both 40 pounds. So that was of course, so little she is. Dogs. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. She was little. Yeah, She's little. grown quite a bit. Taryn has mm-hmm. grown quite a bit since <laughs> I got her put on 10 pounds and gotten longer and taller but she's still a little dog yeah yeah she's pretty petite even she had grown when we met you guys in december she she Mm she's grown since the last time we had seen her but she's still pretty small especially compared to our pet labs are quite a bit bigger you know dogs get as many nicknames as people do don't they they do we we have all kinds of nicknames for (laughs) Tara. Well, my daughter doesn't like the name Taryn, so she calls her T now. So, no. yeah, now that we used one. We call she... her T Dog. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what else did we call her? Toots. We used to call her Toots and Two D quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I called Parnell the P Man. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> just, the letter P. Well, okay. Interesting what the do- what the school names the dogs according to their litter. You know the letter of their litter. So it's really funny how all the, they get their names. There's been some interesting names. Yes, there have yes, been. Yeah, they... Mm-hmm. So they can't reuse names while there's dogs like That's... working. So like Taryn, they won't reuse Taryn until Taryn is retired. Oh, so that's partially why you get some of those weird or yeah. different Yeah, names. you got to run out of ideas after a while. Well, yeah, violin was, uh, that was the first time violin was ever used as a name. Wow. I used to play the violin. That's that's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, I didn't I didn't play it very long, though. It's not like learning the piano like I'm doing now. That is an instrument you can play and people aren't going to plug their ears and run the run the other way. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So where did she where did violin go to then? Where? She Do they go all in, over the country? They certainly can. Mm-hmm. Violin lives in San Francisco, just south of of downtown. That's a huge city to live in. Oh, yes, it is. So, guide dogs—they're all over the United States and Canada. So, mm-hmm. I mean, any—I mean, somebody from Maine could get a dog from Guide Dogs for the Blind. Uh huh. Right. Well, it's like the people that came to buy training they were from canada one was from east the east coast and the other one was from british columbia so there was two from america and two from canada in the group that i was in does anybody else have anything more they want to share or any more questions you might have i would like to say that the contact we've we've stayed in touch with you Mm -hmm. and lisa has been absolutely phenomenal it's I would love to say that that's normal and what we've experienced prior, but about a word to the wise or those you know interested in getting to it, there's no guarantees that the new handler or new team will stay in contact. So, I mean, that is a downside. We've, we've experienced both what we have with you and Lisa mm-hmm. and Taryn, the complete opposite with violin. I, you know, I was lucky enough to see her once. I, I tried to go the right route to, contact them and, and visit um, saw them once and have never heard from them since. So it's, it's frustrating, but fortunately we have so many happy memories of a violin that it, it deadens some of the pain of not staying in contact. Well, I will say that my first guide dog, she was going off to college and she was in hood river, which is not far from 
um, Vancouver, which is where I was at the time, but she was going off to college and I didn't think I'd see her. And I wish I'd, you know, I was only 21 at the time and I wish I'd kept in contact with her mother at least. And, but, you know, I didn't have any way to send pictures or anything at that time. It was 1980 and it, things were a lot different. There wasn't any iPhones or right. anything like that. And then Yeller, that little boy was so crushed and so hurt. I don't think it would have been a good idea for me to stay in touch with him. I think he needed to completely break and which really was sad, but you know, the family was really nice and I would have liked to have stayed in contact with her, with them. But Alberta, who was a golden retriever, I mean, we kept really in close contact with her because I knew her before I got her, her dog she was raising. And we went out to Utah and we stayed with them. And she came out to Utah or out to, to uh, Olympia, which is where I'm in Washington now, with all her dogs. She had five dogs at the time. And we were oh living goodness. in an apartment, you know, and we're, we're trying to, you know, find a place for all the dogs. And, you know, you know, and she came to see us two or three different times. And, you know, she'd take us out shopping and we'd go to a park and we'd, you know, hang out. So I understand with the people in Corvallis, they were nice too, but I, they'd raised a lot of dogs. I think at the time Parnell was their dog, they'd raised like 20 dogs. I wanted to keep in touch with them and I tried to call them or was never successful in contacting them. But yeah, it is, it's great when you can stay in contact with your puppy raiser. I do agree with you though. It is, it's easier now because of the technology. I, I can't even imagine what it would have been like back then when we didn't have as much technology as we do now to stay in contact. Of course, if you were depending on me, it wouldn't happen so often. <laughs> Lisa's a little more. Well, uh, you're lucky to have Lisa because you can oh, take I her out I to am. the park and you can, she can keep an eye on, make sure that she that Taryn doesn't get into anything she's not supposed to that you wouldn't catch in time and all mm -hmm. kinds of things can happen yeah well and she takes us on rides and then we go where we can walk and then we get back in the car and ride some more and yeah yeah she gives her a lot of good exposure that I could never do so if I hear her on the on tv I'll know who she is now is that right Lisa she <laughs> she has she does um I photographs for oh yeah. you do photo oh well i wouldn't be able to see those that's right too bad. but you can so hear her name that, lisa comstock they always tell who the picture taker is and i think do they usually say taryn's name as well yes they usually and they announce it's taryn yeah. i what feel pretty blessed yeah oh it's so much fun viola what happens is our local ABC affiliate, Como. Yes, I know. I'm. I get them. Oh, so being in Tumwater, Shannon um, O'Donnell is their lead meteorologist. Right. He will showcase photos that are submitted by viewers, and some of them are just weather related. Their scenery, pretty or interesting. But she also will frequently include a dog walking forecast that shows dogs being walked so that's how mm -hmm. taryn's gotten to be on three times is different photos i've shown of one time at the everett marina one time at this uh riverside trail 
so it's it's really fun. It's a lot of fun. We're very thankful for you, Lisa. We love seeing your photos when they come up at Taryn and Marilee. Oh, thank you. I'm so thankful for the both of you. I just can't even put the words. You've done such a huge, huge, huge gift. You'll never know. Well, everyone, we've managed to get a whole hour in. I'm really pleased. This is going to be great. And I thank you. Thank you guys for everything you do and your time. And thank you, Lisa, for coming on as well. And I'll try real hard not to cry because I miss having a dog. Um, my husband will not allow me to have a pet dog. So I, I'm really sad about that. But uh, we have three cats, so I have to be content with a rag doll and a Maine Coon and a shelter cat, which is, you know, so. I know when I'm through using her as a guide dog or she retires or however that works, I'm going to keep her. I'm not. I would. I couldn't give them up. I could not. I felt that they had given me their whole lives and worked for me that I couldn't do anything less than to keep them and be there for their last years. I just couldn't do it. Yes. Especially golden retrievers, which are my favorite. Cool. This has been really an, a wonderful experience with all of you. So thank you so much. Of course, Marilee. This podcast was made in association with Washington Council of the Blind's Newsline publication. You can contact us at the wcbnewsline at gmail.com. And we'd like to extend a thank you to Kevin McLeod at incomputech.com for his use of the song Life of Riley. Thank you so much for listening and tune in for our next episode or check out previous episodes.